As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. So, so far we've seen in the Megillah, the, uh, the Megillah sets up all the, all the uh, protagonists and the, and the events. Uh, Hashverosh is not portraying the Megillah as a wicked king. He is a, he's a lazy king. He likes to relax and let everybody run, other people run the kingdom for him. The Persian Empire is a very strict uh, system that follows the laws. There could be crazy laws. But once it, it is put into legislation, everybody should follow them. Everything, every little move is legislated. Even which language is spoken in the household, the wives or the husbands. The uh, uh, Haman is portrayed as a very ambitious person who wants to take over and eventually probably even topple the king. Mordechai probably understood who Haman was and he knew that Haman eventually is going to be the top leader and if he will be at the top position. The first thing he's going to do is to eradicate the Jews. So that's why he pulls him out to the open to reveal his true identity before uh, it's too late. Esther, up until this point, is very quiet. She's very docile. She, she always does what Mordechai tells her. He is like a father figure for her. But when the confrontation comes, when Haman manages to get the decree out of the king to annihilate the Jews in a year from now, Mordechai comes to Esther and he says, go talk to the king. Esther says yes, but she's not doing it the way he wants it. She's doing it her way. That's when, where the shift in the Megillah happens, that Esther switches from being this uh, uh, quiet and uh, sort of subjugated to uh, Mordechai to become an independent woman and very strong in her... Uh, uh, in her plan, in the way she carries it out, and she manages to manipulate all the men around her, mainly Haman and Hashverosh. What does she do? She is this in chapter five of the Megillah. She dresses with royalty. The Megillah says that she dressed with royalty, not with royal garbs, with royalty, meaning that she changed her whole mentality. Now, she she brings her, her inner strength, and she she walks and she strengthens her posture. Her demeanor, her demeanor is now that of a queen. She comes and she presents herself to Hashverosh in a very dangerous situation because she's not supposed to go into the inner chambers if she's not called. But because she surprises him, he doesn't expect to see her, her there. He could execute her on the spot. But when he sees her, he's, he's completely uh, taken aback because she's, uh, she looks different. So who is this woman that I don't know? And he says, Esther Amalka, Esther the queen. He says, What is it that you want? And in his mind, she, she is now going to uh, probably 
pledge allegiance to him, complete loyalty, because up until that moment, she didn't reveal her homeland. Not revealing her homeland, keeping a secret from him, from him, means that she doesn't fully trust him. And she knew that what is most important to him, to Hashverosh, is loyalty and respect. That's why he got rid of Vashti. That's why he's, he relies on Haman, because Haman is, uh, is his loyal henchman. He does whatever he wants. That's why uh, when Biktan Vateresh were plotting to kill the king, they wrote it down in the protocols. It means that the, the king had enemies around him, obviously, and he appreciated that, the fact that people are loyal to him. So now that she offers him that loyalty, I'm fully yours, he's very happy. He says, come over, I'll give you half my kingdom, which means we will be equals. I'm going to treat you as an equal partner. You're my queen, I'm the king, that's it. Now what does she do? She, she, she brought him up at that moment. She built up his expectations. She's a very, uh, very shrewd uh, negotiator in the way she, she, or manipulator, the way she deals with him. She built up his expectation. He now thinks that she is going to be uh, fully committed to him. She finally is uh, accepting her role as a queen. She's an amazing woman. She's a powerful woman. He's, together they will be a good couple to lead the, the... And she was willing to risk her life to come talk to him. So he's, he's very, very pleased. He's, uh, he's flattered. What does she say? What is it that she wants? Come with Haman. Haman, the moment he hears the name, why is Haman thrown into the story? What is it that we have a love triangle? He's not happy with that. He says, I want you to come to the feast. When? Today. Now. So there, you have an emergency meeting. You want me and Haman in the party. What happened? Like, uh, are you sending me a message? She's very upset. So again... In the, at the at the feast, he asks her, "What is it that you want?" He says, "She says, come tomorrow. I'm going to throw another party, and tomorrow I'll tell you." So now she sends them home, the two men, both of them extremely agitated. One in a positive way, one in a negative way. The what happens with Haman? I mean, we, we, uh, we have to put a certain section here in in uh, in parenthesis. And read just the way both men left the meeting. In verse 9 of chapter 5, it says, Haman left extremely happy. And in the beginning of chapter five, 6, it says, The king, on the other hand, couldn't fall asleep. What did she do? She, uh, she strung Ahasuerus' anxiety. She, she built him up. I love you, I'm committed to you. And then she said, I want Haman with us in, in both, both feasts. So now he's thinking, what is going on here? Either she's in love with him, is, I mean, it's a romantic thing, or there's a plot against me. It's, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a, a political thing. Maybe there's a coup d'etat that they're planning. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's both. Maybe they're both in love, and they're going to kill me. So what is going on here? Now, he can't execute them on the spot. He would have done that. She put herself, again, in great risk. But he wants to see exactly what's going on. He cannot fall asleep. Haman is extremely uh, excited. He was being promoted up until now. He was the, the Grand Wizir, right? The, the chief of staff, or the, the, the head of the, uh, the cabinet. But now he's also the confidant, not only of the king, but of the queen. So this is direct way to the king's heart. This is what he thinks. 
he doesn't look at it as a romantic in, in, as a, in a romantic way that she loves him or anything like that, but rather as a, uh, a political uh, power that he is now given. So what does he do? He goes home and he summons all of his uh, followers, all his supporters. It's a big meeting. This is this is what uh, what is happening. I'm I'm heading to become uh, the ruler of that of this land, and probably he's thinking the next step will be I will be the king. Now. What is not written in the Megillah is that, and probably that happened, that Ahasuerus had spies go over to his scouts, his secret police, go over to Haman's house to see what's going on. They come back and they report to him, this is a big meeting, all well, you know, limousines are, are pulling in, uh, it's like the mafia gathering. And he says, well, this is really like a rebellion in the, in the making. Now he starts thinking, how can this happen when he, he cherishes loyalty like any, any ruler would? He cherishes loyalty. He says, why are people not loyal to me? This is happening under my nose and no one tells me. Why is that? He says, it must be that being loyal to me is not worth it. The reason that, be, why would people tip me about things that are happening around me? Because they expect reward. And maybe people did good things for me and I didn't pay them. That's the reason that he cannot fall, I mean, he cannot fall asleep because he's worried about Esther, about Haman. But the reason that he says, That's a verse that we say out loud. He says, bring the, the annals, the records. I want to go through them. And they were reading them. And it says, And they found that it was written that Mordechai, uh, told the king about the plot against him by Biktan Vateresh. Why did they find it? It's not that we're just reading that to look what are the interesting events of the last couple of, uh, of, of years. <coughs> Rather, they were looking specifically, the king said, I want you to find a record of a case where someone showed me loyalty and he was not paid for it. Because if, if this is the case, if I find something like that, I will make a public display of rewarding loyalty. The whole idea of this is how the king rewards someone whom he wants to, uh, to, to respect or to honor is the way, is the way that the, you know, the FBI today would say the most wanted list, you know, $1 million reward or something like that. That's the reward, that's the bait. He says, you see that? Here, Mordechai saved my life, tipped me about a possible plot. I will reward anyone who tips me about a possible plot with even more than that. That's the idea. So that, that once he finds that Mordechai was not paid, how was he paid? They say, he was not rewarded at all. The king said, who, so who's in the courtyard? Now, we didn't say just uh, randomly who's in the courtyard. My Hazar, when I was growing up, used to emphasize those words like uh, to show the, the confusion of the king. Meaning, what was... No, it was Haman. Why, would, why did he say that? Because Haman came to the outer court to ask the king to execute Mordechai. So when we say Haman came, he's not tiptoeing into the, into the palace. 
its chariots and uh, and horses. There's a whole entourage. So the king hears him and says, who's that like early in the morning coming into the palace? What is going on? They say, uh, it's Haman. So the king says, like, let him come in. He's, Haman doesn't know that he's, he's just uh, putting himself in a greater risk because he's already is the suspect. And now he shows up early in the morning. He says, please come in. And the king says, How should I reward someone? And here also, the, our Hazan used to read it with the intonation. Like, who else but me would be rewarded by the king? He's so blind with his arrogance and his ambition that he doesn't see, doesn't, he didn't read the king's uh, reaction to him invited to the to the feast, so he says, "Oh wow, beautiful! Not only Esther invites me to the to the to the feast to the this party, now the king wants to honor me." So he goes, you know, the full you know full steam ahead, and he spills out the beans. He says exactly what the king does doesn't want to hear. I mean, he knows now the truth, but he's, the king is extremely upset by that. Why? Because he says. Uh, if you hear the, the the number of times that he w- mentions the word royalty is one, two, three. It says Hamelech Malchut, Hamelech, Hamelech Malchut, Hamelech Malchut. He says the word Malchut, royalty or king, seven times. He says this: um, the men whom the king desires to honor, let royal garb which the king has worn be brought, and a horse on which the king has ridden, and on whose head a royal diadem has been set. And let the attire and the horse be put in the charge of one of the king's noble courtiers. And let the men whom the king desires to honor be attired and paraded on the horse through the city square. While they proclaim before him, this is what is done for the men whom the king desires to honor. Now, two things that Haman mentions are uh, almost, I mean, they border on treason. And that is, he wants to dress to wear something that the king wore before. Unheard of. The whole idea of a custom is that we get into the character of the other person. The, in, in the Bet HaMikdash, a, a uh, Kohen was not allowed to wear the, the, the uniform of the high priest of the Kohen Gadol. In the army, if someone wears the, the, the uniform of an officer and he's not, he's going to be punished. And the riding the horse of the king, the Haman says, I already envisioned myself, I see myself as the king. So the king hears him and says, you're a traitor, this is, this is really dangerous. Why doesn't he kill him on the spot? Because he doesn't know yet what to do with Esther. <clears throat> now he thinks, now he's convinced, Haman is a traitor, but maybe Esther is with him. So he wants to, if he, if he frames them, if he nabs them, he wants both at the same time. So he says, he says to Amman, okay, go, everything you do, go and do it for Mordechai. Mordechai, Yehudiya, Yoshev B'Sha'ar HaMelech, Mordechai, the Jew who sits in the, in the court in front of the, uh, of the palace. And the rabbis elaborate in the very nicely, they say that, why did they have to specify Mordechai, Yehudiya, Yoshev, Mordechai, the Jew, who sits there. They said that Haman was trying to play, it, uh, uh, the, play the fool. 
He says, do it for Mordechai. He says, well, who's Mordechai? I don't know any Mordechai. You know Mordechai. Mordechai the Jew. He says, how many Jews are called Mordechai? It's a very common name. No, no, the one who sits there. And you know the nice thing about this is Hayyoshev B'Sha'ar HaMelech. The one who sits, the whole thing about Mordechai was that he wouldn't stand up and he wouldn't bow down. He says, you know the one who sits down and wouldn't bow down to you? Go do it for him. So uh, obviously that throws Haman into a complete uh, uh, despair because he's, uh, uh, now he doesn't know what to do. Haman was, instead of, uh, 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 the word nithaf can be understood as being pushed or he rushed home, like he went dahuf, urgent. And he goes, Avel v'hafui rosh. He's in mourning. He knows that it's almost the end. Almost. In our Arabic, he thinks it's different. <laughs> <laughs> okay. In our Arabic, I know that one of the Hazanim was reading on, 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 on Purim, and he was already a little uh, drunk. And he says, started cursing him in Arabic because he says, in, in Arabic when we say, Abel alenu, that's like, may he die and people will mourn for him. So, yeah. So, Taizdr, you know, when, when you're in morning yeah. in Morocco, we took that from the Arabs. The Arabs would yeah. cut themselves. Yeah. From the Gzo. Yeah. 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 Lord did go to do. Exactly. So now he comes back and he tells the, his advisors, this is what happened. And they are very, they come with a very smart advice. Before, when he told them that Esther invited him, they said, oh, you you're on the path to success. Everything you do is going to succeed. You're going to be the king. Da, da, da. Now that he said, this is what happened, they say, If Mordechai is one of those Jews, that you have no, you have no uh, chance. There's no way you're going to win. What, you didn't know that he was Jewish before? They said, uh, when they had the discussion, he says, I can't bear to see Mordechai Hayyehudi. Mordechai the Jew. And they said, hang him on the tree. Now they say, oh, we didn't know that he was Jewish. This, now, this is like the, uh, uh, the political commentary of the author of the Megillah. It tells you, not only in politics, yeah. anywhere in life, you have advisors, they will give you an advice. If it works, you see, I told you. If it doesn't work, they will retool what they told you. Right? You ask them, what car do you think I should buy? Buy a Honda. You come back, says, oh, this was a terrible, I have a Honda, but I'm just saying that. So, it's a, I know, he could come back, says, it's terrible, it doesn't work for me. Oh, it's a Honda that you bought, we told you it's not good, right? <laughs> I mean, so, the same thing here, he says, oh, in Mordechai, and uh, so now, in, this is the, the next uh, very tense moment of the Megillah, Haman, and Esther, and the king are sitting together. And we would have thought, that Esther right away will tell the king, Haman is trying to kill my nation. But instead, she leaves him in suspense for a while. She builds attention to the level of a volcano. She, she, and she's very, again, putting herself in risk because he could kill her on the spot. But she wants him to be so angry that there would be no way, no return for Haman. And she manages to do that. Mazat Hashem, we'll do it next time. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. 
Chumba. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.